Oh, I love Time Change Sunday. Isn't it nice? People are happier, friendlier, saying, you sit down. No, you sit down. Are you new? Come on, follow me. I love that. I hope you're ready to listen today because if you get an extra hour to sleep, that means I get to speak for another hour. So perfect. Because I mean, right now it's really, it's just like it's 1045. So we got plenty of time. Hey, let's pray this morning. We're, there's, I, I'm excited about the series we're about to begin, but I'm going to ask as I pray this morning that you pray for me, because I believe God wants to say some things today, and I hope that we are ready to listen. So please pray for me as I pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this group of people. Thank you for just allowing us to be here, for giving us the... Uh, the resources to be able to make it today. For those who are visiting this morning, thank you for allowing them the opportunity to spend an hour with some really good people of God. I pray that you would bless them and as they go on to wherever they are from or going, that you would help us to to pray them along and bless them as they leave. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning and I pray pray that we we are able to listen Lord, remove the noise that could be distracting. Lord, thank you for um, just this church family. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please turn to Mark chapter 12. That's kind of where we're going to be in just a few minutes. Mark chapter 12. So today I'm beginning a new series. I'm actually testing out the possibility of doing a longer series of this maybe next year. Um, But it's November, and uh, you know, November and December get a little bit crazy. And so uh, I think on the 18th we're having Blessed to be a Blessing. So this is going to be a three-part series that's kind of interrupted for for a week, but it's going to be a fantastic interruption. So I hope that you plan on being there as well. Uh, I think this idea is needed. It will always be needed because today we're going to begin talking about words, specifically three Hebrew words in particular. Now, I believe that words matter. I believe that words have power. I believe that words create worlds. Now, I I think I may have said this before, but, but if you don't believe that words have power, then then just wait till someone says, I want a divorce. Talk about a brand new world being created. Or it's cancer. Or there was nothing we could do. Words matter. And I think we can all think back to those words that have stuck with us. Whether they're helpful words, whether they're hurtful words, the words are still with us. And I'm sure some of us, it still lingers, and you can call it up at any given moment. These words that stick with us, they act as some sort of an emotional buoy. Buoy, is that the word? Buoy. That kind of warn us, or they lead us, because words have power. Do you realize how powerful your words are? And this is the question I've been asking myself. I ask myself this all the time. Um, Are my words being helpful (laughs) or hurtful? Let's just go all the way down to the very basic. Are your words helpful or are they hurtful? 
Are our words creating a hostile world or a peaceful one? Are your words creating a divisive world or a unified one? Words do matter, but I think we kind of are at this place in our culture where we kind of throw words around as if they don't, as if they're expendable. We use them and we say them whether people are listening or not. And mostly, I want to tell you, mostly, I don't know if people are listening because I think our culture has a hearing problem. And it doesn't matter how often we say, listen to me, listen to me, or someone else says it to us, sometimes we simply just don't choose to listen. Kind of like this conversation. Where's it at? You're going to show up there. I'm just going to put it out there. How many of you have been involved in a conversation exactly like that? <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's really, it's that frustrating. And sometimes it really, if you can rise above it, they're really kind of that funny, aren't they? <laughs> I tell you, in this season of life, in this particular season of life, in our culture, our Everything is filled with lots and lots of talk. Talk, talk, talk. Lots of people demanding that we listen, Linda. Listen, listen, listen. Look it, look it. I mean, whether it's in person, whether it's on social media, people are stating their positions. From everything from politics to social issues to religion. And if we put it out there on social media, the response is usually immediate, isn't it? And, it's, and, and the response is usually not an attempt at further conversation because the responder is also stating their position. And what follows is not really a conversation at all, but rather a series of statements. 
It's not a conversation. It's two people speaking. Even if these people know one another, the conversation becomes directed at correcting the other person's ideology rather than listening to their point of view. There is very little interest, I believe, in finding out how the other person may have gotten to this point, may have gotten to this place in their journey and their belief system. One person speaks, the other person may hear, but he doesn't necessarily listen. One person speaks and the other responds to the words, not the person. Of course, sometimes it doesn't really matter, does it? What kind of relationship we have with someone. Whenever they trigger our hot button, we suddenly become General MacArthur or Joan of Arc. And we, we righteously become the liberator of the, 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 that person because obviously they have been gripped by an awful view. And whenever we believe that that person is captured by a bad idea, then we want to liberate them or crusade religiously against all the wrong that that particular idea could represent. So we talk faster and louder and harder. Am I off base? (laughs) But what's missing here? Listening. The results of such conversations are rarely helpful. At the heart of every healthy conversation is not the declaration of our position, but rather it's the, the attempt to listen. It's the attempt to see the other person. And I would even say, look at things from their perspective, that those are the things that are most helpful in a conversation. To listen is to orient your mind and your heart towards those things that are right. When we practice listening as an ongoing practice, when we practice it, we learn to distinguish what is important from what is noise. And I tell you, there is a lot of noise in our culture. A lot of it. Words, ideas, sounds, pictures that vie for our attention. The latest fad, the latest idea, the latest opinion, it chooses, it it, it tries to monopolize our time and our attention and our energy and fill until we find ourselves unable to hear. And if we're not intentional about trying to figure out what is right or not, we don't, everything becomes noise. Then all of a sudden we don't know what our position is. We don't know where our understanding is. We don't, we don't know where our place is or our, our beliefs may get a little bit shaky. And, and this is not new. This was just as much true in the days of Jesus as it is now. So let's shift to the days of Jesus for a second. There were so many ideas in Jesus' day as well. How to live. What was most important? Politics. Questions about where is God in all of this mess? And what is His plans for us as a people, as a person? There was no shortage of conversation, ideas, words. There was no shortage of noise. So, so, And when, when a teacher of the law finds Jesus, he asks him an important question. In the middle of all these other conversations, he asks in this, in Mark 12, 
28 through 31. This is what he says. He says, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. We're very familiar with this passage. But, but what this shows us is Jesus is clinging to this old commandment. Very old words. Now the word for here in this statement is the word we're going to be focusing on. Because the word for here stems from an ancient Hebrew word, and I know you've heard it. It's called Shema. It's pronounced Shema. And we can say it together. Shema. It's not a Shema. You know, that's, that's, that could be West Texas way. To, to, Shema. You know, that, that might be good. So it's like there's no vowel. Shema. Okay. Um, this is a passage we're very familiar with in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know, this is something we've talked about. Now keep in mind, there are only around 8,000 words or so in the Hebrew language. Now compare that to the well, we'll say oh, about 150,000 active words and about 48,000 uh, non-inactive words in the English language, and there's probably more. So roughly 8,000 Hebrew words compared to the 200,000 English words. There's a little difference there, isn't it? So you could say the Hebrew language is a very limited vocabulary, but, but I would say each word could have more than one definition. So, so if, if, if you look at one word, it could have multiple definitions. Which tells us that each word is packed, like a suitcase. It's packed, loaded, bulging at the seams, overloaded even with meaning. And since this culture was visual, since they were like a storytelling cultural, a, a cult, culture, an oratory culture, then the words oftentimes have a visual cue, active elements to them. So this greatest commandment, the Shema, is actually a prayer that Jesus probably prayed every morning along with most every other religious and faithful Hebrew in that culture. So in Hebrew, it says this. It says, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We are very familiar with this second part because it's part of our mission statement. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But today, let's, let's look at this word, Shema. So Shema means to hear, to listen. Now, I think you could layer these two meanings in emphasis. Because listening really is, I believe, hearing while paying attention. It's not just sound hitting your eardrums. It's active. It's attentive. But it's even more than that, really. The Hebrew culture was an active culture. They weren't like the Greeks who could just spend hours talking about something, thinking about it without ever really having to do anything. To the Hebrews, thinking and listening required action. And Shema is no different. Because if you were told to listen, then a response was required. As was some sort of action as well. So when God says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, this is not simply saying, hear me, Israel, I'm the Lord your God, and I'm here for a while. I'm here to help. It's not, that's not what he's saying here. 
The word echad at the end is, is one or only. So one translation of this could be, I am your God. Hear, O Israel, I am your God. Listen, I am the Lord your God only. So why put Shema in the front? Is God just trying to get their attention? Hey, listen to me, hear me, this is what I'm going to say. No, there's more to this. The word Shema is translated in several places as hear, several other areas as listen. But what we'll find, and this is, this is great, is that you'll find it also is translated in several places as the word obey. So when God tells us to listen, He's not simply trying to get our attention. He's telling us that, that what He's about to say should be acted upon. The statement requires that we act on it. Do something. So in Scripture, whenever the subject is Israel, and you read about that, how they should have listened, or they should have shmad, <laughs> I don't know if you've had an ED to the end of that, and it's, but it's, you know what I mean. They should have listened, shmad, yeah? it's oftentimes that they should have obeyed it. Why didn't you listen, Israel? Why didn't you obey? Why didn't you do something? with what God had said. For example, Deuteronomy eleven thirteen, it says, so if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today, now the literal translation, literal is, and it will be if hearing, you will hear. Interesting, isn't it? It will be if hearing, you will hear. If you faithfully obey the commands. Psalm 81, 8, hear me, my people, and I will warn you if you would only listen to me, Israel. If you had only obeyed me, Israel, done something with what I said. Deuteronomy 26, uh, 28.62 You who were as numerous as the stars in the sky will be left but, in, but few in number because you did not obey Shema, the Lord your God. Shema is loaded with meaning here. So when God talks to His people, when He talks to us, He wants us to Shema. <laughs> to listen, to act, to obey. In fact, many of the instances where Shema is used, you can actually replace the word hear or listen with obey, and you might actually get closer to the original meaning. Hear, O Israel. Listen, O Israel. The Lord your God, the Lord only. As I've, as I've studied this word this week, I've been reminded that this is Jesus' first, most important command. Which means to me that this word matters. Words matter. Obedience was important to Jesus. So here's a question. What part does obedience play in our life? Now this is where some of that noise might start creeping up. Making its way up and might get a little loud here. So I'm going to ask you again. What part does obedience play in our life? Do we consider ourselves obedient when it comes to our faith and what God wants us to do? If it is said, obey your parents, is that, is that really important to us? Is obedience... A one-time thing, you've heard people say, have you obeyed the gospel? Well, I, I say, well, I, I hope it's more than a one-time event. It should be a lifetime practice. 
Because I believe that listening and obedience are ongoing acts of love. In fact, I believe that obedience to God is how we show love to God. When we pray and when we tell God we love Him, but we continue to do things that are self-serving, things that, that, that benefit us more than what benefits others, is that really love? I tell God that I love Him, but in the same breath, I use my words flippantly, and I condemn or ridicule my brother because of their ideology or beliefs. Is that really showing God that I love Him? Is obedience to, to God, is it obedience to God when we disparage others in the name of righteousness? We're told to love our neighbor, that very second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Is this second most important commandment? It, if I tell my wife I love her, but my actions don't reflect a man who is in love with my wife, is that really love? You could be married for 30 years, but really only be in love with your spouse for two of those years. So you're not 30-year married experience. You've got two years of marriage experience, really. You've just been married for 30 years. If your life doesn't show that you're in love with your spouse, what does that mean? If I say, I love you, Shelly, is that going to matter if my life doesn't reflect it? Because I believe that obedience is proof that we love God. And so what if obedience was God's love language? Love is not expressed through our intent. Oh, I really wanted to. I thought about it. Saying I'm going to do my best or by our emotions, really, how expressive we are in our worship. It's not expressed. Love to God is not expressed in how much we know. Showing God that we love Him is to do what He wants us to do. It's to live how He wants us to live. It's to love how God wants us to love. And obedience, I believe, is listening, even when we'd rather be talking. It's giving something away, something that we'd rather keep. It's seeking God through His Word so that we can know Him more and know what He wants from us more. It's, it's discerning the body of Christ as His people. The ones He came to save, the ones who are lost, who are frail, who are imperfect, the ones who continue to come together because we know that we need the love that God has died to give. To Shema is to obey God with all of our heart, our emotions, with all of our soul, that, that part that makes us unique, those, those gifts and talents that we have, our minds, that part of us that seeks to know and to learn and to make sense of things, both positive and negative. It's to love God with our strength, our arms, our legs, our will, our determination. How can we begin to love God with everything we are? And I will say, what if we start by stop, stopping to th stop throwing our words around as if they don't matter? As if they don't hurt? As if our words don't last? What if we started to show God that we love Him, to start down this road where obedience is an ongoing practice? What if we started that by simply listening, turning off the noise every once in a while, and just listen. Listen to one another, even if you don't like each other. Listen to learn. Listen to understand. 
Listen to empathize. Because I will tell, uh, when someone looks at you and they give you an idea that may not necessarily be one we agree with, they've gotten there somehow. Just as you have arrived at your place somehow. Wouldn't that be great to know how they got there? That moment, oh, I can relate to your journey. Because as Jesus spoke to the crowds, he would, he would begin and end his interactions with this little statement a lot of times. He would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's not just saying, if you're listening, make sure you understand what I'm saying. Just listen to what I'm saying. He's saying, if you have ears to hear, if you really want to obey, if you really want to listen, then listen. Because what I'm about to say, you're going to need to do something about it. So my question all week for myself is, am I really listening? Am I listening to my wife? Am I listening to my kids? Am I listening to my leaders? Am I listening to my God? And are we ready to be obedient to the God's way for us? Because God has a, plan, has a way, He has a path, He has a road for us. So if you have ears to hear, then hear. Listen. Obey. Obey the only God. God only. Maybe if this was today, it would be Shema Johnson Street, Church of Christ. For the Lord our God is the one and only God. What are you going to do about it? So as we go on this week, I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you need help listening, maybe you are just having a problem listening. You don't know how to get to that place. Let me help you. Let our elders help you. At least let me pray for you. Because you know what? I need prayer too. I need help listening, as do our elders and our leaders. So in a moment, when we start to sing, I'm going to encourage you to do something. Go pray for one of our elders. Ask for prayer from them. Find me. Let me pray for you. Pray for me. But do something. And just see what God begins in your life. Let's stand together. Let's sing.